Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Today's guest, Brian Johnson, is the founder and owner of Maine & Johnson, a business consulting and coaching company aimed at seeing small to medium-sized businesses thrive, not just survive. Brian is a persuasive and adaptable top performer who is skilled in establishing, managing, and mentoring key executives and business owners. He has a passion for changing the cultural fabric of people leadership, marketing, and sales in companies by empowering teams to exceed goals. Welcome to the show today, Brian. Hey, thank you, Denise. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. So we had an interesting conversation um, ahead of time, and you, you had talked about your travel for business and how you had traveled to 25 different countries, but there was a little bit more to it than that. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I, I would definitely start out and say, you know, obviously the travel's wonderful and, and you know, a, a lot of great experiences and memories some that were spawned by, I think what you're referring to maybe weren't so great, but I can look back and laugh at them now. Um, my very first passport that I received um, was actually stamped and marked September 11th, 2001. <clears throat> and I'm wow. not even positive how that happened. I'm, I always go with, they must've approved it right at 8am when, when they got to the office, but that caused some uh, some chaos as I traveled because the first time I would go to like the European union or any new country I would get detained or at least held up. Uh, in some cases, I even got escorted to a private room while they went back to research whether or not my my passport was valid. So while that was uh, a little challenging at times for me, uh, in many cases, it uh, also was my fellow travelers were uh, a little disenchanted because they then just had to sit and wait as you know normal travel policy is you don't split up uh, right as you land at the airport. So very interesting got over it. Once I would go back, it was never a problem. But that 10 years that that passport existed out there was always a deep sigh when I landed and <laughs> was going through customs in any specific country. And you did a significant amount of traveling for you, for business. I did. And and the good thing is, is a lot of it is, was going back to some of the same places. But like I, I think you mentioned, I, I think I was at 25 different countries at some point or another. And you know that ten year span where it was that passport was was made life a little bit more uh, entertaining, I would say. So, give us just a little bit on your background. I mean, you've you've been to some places. I know you worked with some big companies. So, tell us just a little bit uh, about your background. Yeah, so you know, I kind of came through school, getting my undergrad degree, kind of looking probably like a lot of students. To be honest, I was trying to figure out. I knew I wanted to do business. Didn't really know what. So I went with whatever got me the job the quickest. And I found that, you know, kind of the supply chain side of things was really kind of an up and coming focus in in the education space relative to business. And so I jumped on that just because they were placing 100% of their students before graduation. So you know, <laughs> having a job wasn't a bad thing. Got into that and really started to learn kind of the inner workings of the operations of a business. I think I've mentioned in the past, I, I worked for three different Fortune 500 companies um, over a 20-year span. And, and during that time, I, you know, where I spent most of my time in one, it was nice because they were very progressive in developing people from within. So coming out of the supply chain side, I got an, op- an opportunity to move you know, a little bit more into operations, then had a chance to do some things on more like the mergers and acquisitions end, and then eventually into the sales and marketing space. 
So I got to kind of end the corporate side of my career, at least running a sales division for my company for North and South America. So I had that responsibility and, and actually was kind of caused me to relocate down to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm currently at. And with that, you know, kind of things transitioned out, but experiences were, were amazing. I mean, going from, you know, the different disciplines inside of a, a corporate business like that, you really get some exposure to how things are done. So I was uh, very appreciative of that. Yeah. It sounds like you have a very diverse background from logistics to sales and marketing. They play together, but they're certainly not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and it's interesting. The One of the big ones that I think kind of came out in, in this is, you know, going from sort of the, the purchasing side to the sales side, you know, having sat on both sides of the table, if you want to call it that, really helped me understand, you know, how to really connect, not just with, you know, what companies are trying to do, but what individual, you know, needs are within that. Like, knowing that, hey, this purchasing person is trying to show that they can generate some value in in different things. So how do you appeal to their own individual goals, not just the company goals? So it was, it was a lot of fun though. Okay. Yeah. We actually had a whole segment about procurement in both sides of the coin. So that's interesting that you say that. Now, so all of this experience led you to the point where you are today, which you coach and consult small, small to medium-sized business, correct? That's right. That's correct. Okay. So with that said, part of the topic that we wanted to talk about today was what's the difference between a coach, a consultant, and an advisor? But before we jump into that, I have a a broader question to ask. I want to see, you know, if you can give me off the top of your head, what are trends uh, as far as the concerns that business owners are having right now? Maybe something around their growth strategies or something else. What, What are you seeing? Yeah. And, and so it's interesting because leading up to, to, you know, the COVID situation, the pandemic and stuff, I mean, if you kind of look back, we're, we were kind of on about a 10-year stretch of, of really good economic times. Mm-hmm. So even without, you know, a pandemic or something of that nature, the odds on bet would have been, hey, things are going to start to slow down. And so many business owners started their business within that, that good times period. A thing that I've seen a lot is the concern of what happens if, you know, people aren't out trying to buy things as readily as they are now. I mean, I, I know that I say this a little bit kind of tongue in cheek, but, you know, times are pretty good. People are out kind of trying to spend money. You know, they're, they're enabled, they're empowered, and they feel good about, you know, spurning the economy and, and keeping that going. But, you know, there comes a point in time if people start to become a little bit more protective of what they spend, um, how do you really engineer that business growth to continue when people maybe aren't as readily uh, active in spending? And so being able to develop strategies that are maybe more around share gain is a good example. Like, you know, if your business, if, if the market is a pie and you've got a slice of it, you know, how do I make my slice bigger by maybe taking a little sliver off somebody else's slice? Then you've got sort of transformational type strategies, which is I want to create awareness in what we do and what our market is, but that just creates a larger pie. And it may not necessarily be people buying from me but they're people that weren't buying my type of product or service before. So how do I increase that? So I, I always have a bigger pie to work from. And then obviously what could you get into that may be a sidestep or an adjacency to be able to like still watch your business grow despite things not being so, so strong. So honestly, what it really boils down to and what I think the pandemic kind of showed us is, you know, there's a lot of things that we accept, but we don't control. And then how do I gain back some of that control and be more intentional with my growth? Um, Would you say that that mindset, that shift 
is that would that be normal in any economic downturn, pandemic aside? It, it should be. And yeah, because I mean, in the end, it's really hard if, if you've only had a business that that's five years old or less and your business is out there and you've never really had to go through a recession trying to run your business, sometimes you may see the growth that's happening and it's coming to you because you're participating in a growing market, right? It doesn't mean that you're necessarily doing something specific, unique, or, you know, otherwise that is drawing that business in. So typically when those downturns come, you've got to resort to something else. And that would be, you know, Hey, how do I, how do I beat my competition? You know, it's, it's not just, it's not an abundance for everyone mentality at that point. It's more, what do I need to do to, to keep my business going? And, and maybe the only way I get it is biting into somebody else's slice. You know, I had another business before the one that I own right now. And I went through the 2008 nine, 10 mm-hmm. uh, recession. I actually sold the business in 2011, but we got really creative on survival. First of all, you know, one of the things for one of the years, I think it was 2009, I actually talked to my employees. I was like, guys, things are a little tough right now. I can't do raises this year, you know? And everybody was like, you know what? We're glad to have jobs, yeah. you know? So that was one approach I relied on attrition to to slim down. I didn't ever get rid of anybody. A few people got a little bit of hours cut back, but we got really creative on marketing too to get people mm-hmm. to come back, even in small segments, you know, at as needed services, just so that we could stay ahead of the competitors. Cause the we were in the service industry and business businesses in that sector were dropping left and right. Yeah. So we survived very happily. So I understand what you're saying. With that said, mm-hmm. so the problems that people are seeing now would be normal. How do you as a coaching consultant come in there? And is there a difference between coming in as a coach and coming in as a consultant? Yeah. I, and, and Denise, I tried my best to keep things as simple. So I understand them. And then I figure if I understand them, other people get it. So that's kind of how I roll with that. But you know, to me, coaching is a little bit like it's, it's a little bit more process oriented. So I would say that's you know, teaching somebody to fish if we're kind of going simple analogies. And the reason is, is it's, it's like a business that may not have been through all these things, but they, they learn and grow themselves as business owners in those businesses. So, Hey, once I've put together a marketing plan, I can do that over and over. Once I've, you know, gone out and hired 15 people and gone through the interview process and have my onboarding process done, I could do it over and over. And it's just continually staying ahead of them, keeping their business progressing and not letting their own limitations perhaps slow them down. Consulting, on the other hand, is a little bit different where you may have an area of expertise that they need, but they only need that in in sort of a bit of a pocket. So it's like, I'm just going to go get the fish for you, right? And so I'll do the fishing. You know, you might pay us to come in and do like a five-year sales strategy, but you've got all the salespeople to go execute. So all you really need is that strategic vision. And so it might be you're, you're kind of providing a result, if that makes sense. You know, coaching is a process, consulting is a result. Okay. And so what phases of business do you find that, you know, maybe they lean towards a coach or versus a consultant? Well, I appreciate the question, Denise, because actually I was trying to figure out how I would <laughs> relate this because, but you teed it up perfectly. And so at Maine and Johnson, we, we kind of look at business more like a flight. So we kind of break businesses down into four sections. 
and you fit one of them. At some point, you, you could move back and forth. But if anybody's flown on a plane and hopefully didn't get detained like I did when they landed, if you've flown on a plane, you know what I'm talking about, which is you've got the first phase, which is your takeoff phase. This is really your business startup phase. It's kind of a checklist. Are the seat backs in the upright and locked position, tray table stowed, bags underneath the seat in front of you, overhead compartments closed, blah, blah, you know, down that, that path. All it is is a checklist to say, yes, you're officially allowed to get out on the runway and take off. Same thing with the business. Do you have your business plan? Do you have you know, your vision set? Do you have the financing you need? Like all those things. We look at that. That's probably more advising or consulting at that point because you really haven't started. So there's not a lot we can do coaching you because it's, it's speculation at that point. But we can help businesses at that point get these things in place so they're ready to roll. The next phase is more your ascension phase. And so the, the business owners out there that are kind of in that first couple year mode know exactly what I'm talking about, which is that plane, once those wheels get off the ground, nobody is focused on anything other than getting to 30,000 feet. You know, you don't see people getting up and using the restroom. You don't see the flight attendants moving around, you know, and you get as, you get there as fast as you can. Same thing with business. It's survival mode. How do I get to that point where I can lay my head on the pillow at night and know the next morning I'm going to wake up and still have a business? Like I'm not worried about it, it falling off the face of the earth at that point. So that focus is usually trying to build the size in the business that allows you to survive, pay your bills, you know, pull a salary, all those things. That's a lot of coaching in there because typically business owners at that point have so much going on you can go from one great idea to the next, but it's all about implementation, execution, and focus to get to that point. When you get to that cruising altitude, that's a little bit more kind of where the, the fun part happens, the experiences are there more geared to customers. And, and really at this point, you're kind of moving into more of a mode of maintenance, profitability, efficiency, effectiveness, all those things. This is where the flight attendants wheel out the drink card and the, the food and, you know, people get up and move around and, you know, you're getting on your computer. So it's, that's more the longer part of the journey typically. And that can be a blend of coaching and consulting, depending on what you need. But we probably say that's a lot more of the coaching end because it is putting in systems. It's how do I do more with less? How do I, you know, not have to be involved in my business every single day. And I could take a vacation for two weeks and come back and the business is still successful. You know, so you start to kind of, as a business owner, move yourself out of kind of the employee mode and into the owner mode and, you know, up that entrepreneurial ladder. And then dissension is a little bit different. I mean, that's, you know, they come onto the speaker and they say, we're now starting our initial descent. And I always think it's funny. It took you 10 minutes to get to 30,000 feet. It takes you an hour to land, you know, <laughs> but that's a very intentional approach to trying to have a nice soft, you know, landing with, with the plane and same thing with your business. Doesn't mean that you have to, you know, wait until you want to sell that day and start the process. Could be, you know what, I don't know what this looks like when I'm done, but I'm going to start planning that out, whether I'm handing it down to, to junior or, you know, I'm making it employee owned, or maybe I'm just going to go sell it and use the, the income as my retirement, whatever that is, that's a planning process. But in a lot of cases, that's that's more advisory and consulting at, at that point is your business is running fine. It's just how do we get the uh, maximum valuation for it if, if selling is your 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 go-to there. So, Perfect. so that's kind of what we try. I mean, it's a blend, coaching and consulting, and there are differences, but we we like to interact with businesses where they're at and, and provide, you know, whatever makes the most sense at that point. So you mentioned advisory and I currently utilize a business advisor. I know mm -hmm. what I was looking for 
But how is how does that differ specifically? And, and I heard your example, but I want you to pull it out just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. How does that differ specifically from coaching and consulting? Because I know it does. Yeah. And so kind of an advisor, if we stayed with the, you know, teach you to fish, provide you the fish, it might be an advisor, might be somebody that if you said like, you know what, I'm, I'm interested in deep sea fishing. And that advisor might be somebody that's taking the boat out on the ocean and, and can kind of guide you through what to expect, where the place the fish most swim, you know, that sort of thing. So while they're they're still sort of in a mentor position, uh, if that's maybe a good comparison, they usually have a deeper understanding of what you're going through, having already gone through it themselves in some way. I mean, you think of probably the most common one people talk about is a financial advisor, right? I mean, they're there to kind of guide you through the steps you need to get the retirement goals you seek through the process that they've got or through, you know, the ways you can invest your money. So that's kind of one of the things I kind of fall back on. I hope that's, you know, similar mentor is, is one of the things that, you know, we see a lot from an advisory standpoint. And would it be fair to say that advisors are the most often called upon when you're looking at some kind of exit strategy? It is. And, and there's a lot of really good ones out there that, uh, that again, like if you, if your goal is, I want to get an advisor for this, there, there are people that focus just on exit strategy planning. And they're, they're wonderful at that. I, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where when you reach out, that's really kind of sometimes what you're looking for is just help me not make the mistakes and help me, you know, make the best decisions as I go through this. And what's your sweet spot? I love strategy. I'll tell you, I, I love when a business, you know, sitting down, whether it's coaching or consulting and really get to kind of take all the pieces and parts of what they do and put that into some semblance of a strategy. You know, obviously it kind of cascades down from a vision, you know, and what you're really out there doing, but you know, what you're going to do with the resources, how you're going to place them, you know, what the steps are going to be. And my favorite thing about strategy is everybody thinks it's what, what else can we do? I love to tell people strategy is really the art of saying no. Because most people don't say no to things and then they wind up being overloaded. Um, oh, I've gotten really good at saying no. <laughs> Still have more work to do, to be honest with you. So what are some of the things that pe- they should say no to? Give me an example. Uh, yeah. So sometimes the cart before the horse. I mean, I, I know that sounds kind of intuitive and that should be easy, but you know, a lot of people want to talk about like, hey, three years from now, this is what our business is going to look like. And I'm all for the vision, the ideas, but that that business won't be there if you don't execute today. So I think getting more detailed in the short term, but not losing sight of that vision. And I think when you put those steps together, I think you'll see that. So saying no sometimes is, you know what, honestly, I know I want to hire 10 people at some point, but today I've got one employee and I'm going to make this work and get the most out of this. And I think that's kind of the saying no is your inclination. Maybe when you start earning a little bit more money would be to start expanding, but uh, that might not be the right time. If you do the strategy right, it, it'll tell you. Yeah, that that is actually one of the key reasons that I hired an advisor, advisor specifically was to help me evaluate other business opportunities because I get approached all the time with, well, hey, because you do this, you're in this space and we can do blah, blah, blah. And right. the, you know, she's she gives me great advice. You know, the last one she said, well, go back to them and ask them what market research they've done. Yeah. It's and perfect. None, it's none complimentary. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly I passed on that opportunity, but <laughs> you know, it, 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 as a business owner, I like to think I'm smart enough to know that I should think that way, 
But sometimes you get so excited about those opportunities that you don't. You're like, oh, this is cool. This could be great. So you get all that ex- excitement going. And then the other person, you know, generates that momentum. It's really good to have that person who's the mentor and can kind of ground your feet in reality and say, you know, you need to look at the market research. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I totally agree with you. In every instance that I've seen, I mean, it, I've not met a business owner that can that can get out of the, you know, that can see the forest for the trees, you know, and and get themselves out of what they're accustomed to doing and seeing and have an, an unbiased view of their own business sort of from an outside perspective. And that's where those come in handy is you're not normally being told something you don't know, but you may be kind of guided to, yeah, that's the right time to do this. And I may not be able to see it myself, but now that I've got, you know, somebody that I trust also affirming that. Yeah, I think you're right. We're going to we're going to ask them about that market research right now. Absolutely. So what else would you like to add that we haven't covered? I think the big thing for me is just, you know, as as businesses are out there, you know, I mean, obviously I'm in this business for a reason. I want to help businesses. There are a lot of ways business owners can connect and get resources and information and things that can help them along. I mean, we can't work with everybody. We know that, but what we found is, you know, the people that reach out and get that guidance in whatever way, shape, or form, consulting, coaching, or advising, um, just that effort, just that desire to change, I think also is very complimentary inside your business because like I've told a lot of business owners, I'm partnering with you. I'm not necessarily doing all of the work on my own. You still have to go execute. And in that case, you know, they're the ones that are doing it. You just kind of clear a path to help them. So I'd say look at the resources you've got, ask questions, and reach out or involve somebody from some level of accountability in your business because it pays dividends. It does. And I can attest to that. I have looked back historically, and each time I've engaged a coach, consultant, or advisor, my business has grown with gross profit. My profitability has grown. So I know this to to be 100% true. So Brian, how can our listeners find you after the show? Yeah. So we, uh, our, our website is uh, businessconsultingcharlotte.com. So you can find us there. We're obviously we're Charlotte based. Um, we do have a national reach, particularly on the consulting end coaching too. I mean, the whole world of zoom has changed everything. So we've been able to uh, connect in that way too. Probably the next best way I'd say is I'm, I'm out on LinkedIn, Brian Johnson, I think 28120. And I'm also on my business page on Facebook, uh, we try to put some fun content out there for folks, but um, if you search Maine and Johnson, so M-A-I-N-A-N-D-J-O-H-N-S-O-N, you can connect with us there, follow us and get access to some cool stuff. So we've got our YouTube channel coming soon, but we'll we'll connect in every way there. And obviously, if you want to reach out to me directly, my email is bjohnson at maineandjohnson.com. Perfect. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. Denise, I appreciate it. I had a blast. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.